Hello all and welcome to the Gestalt IT Rundown, your weekly look at the IT News of the Week. Joining me from across this great nation is the one, the only, the networking nerd himself, Tom Hollingsworth. Tom, welcome to the show. Glad to be back, Rich. Had a great week at Networking Field Day last week, but um, some news happened and I want to talk about it. Yes, turns out uh, the news happens. And a big thank you to Keith Townsend uh, for subbing in and being a able uh, co-host of the show. You can always check him out at CTO Advisor. If you're not doing so already, you are missing out. Here's a story about a chair in his Twitter feed that you absolutely must see. It's my all-time favorite thing I've ever read. Uh, first up here, we're going to start, though, with a little segment we like to call News or Not. This is where there's so much news that's going on, we can't cover it all in full discussion length. But I want to get Tom's take on it, find out if it's, in fact, newsy or maybe on the nah side of it. First up here, we have uh, IBM confirming it will not participate in RSA conference next week. We'll get to a little bit more RSA news uh, in our discussion part, but they canceled over concerns about the coronavirus. About a total of eight presenters have canceled on the event. Six of those are from China, though, so it's not like there's a mass exodus of non-Chinese companies, at least right now. The news comes after Mobile World Congress was canceled last week over similar terms. Tom, news or not? This is news because this is the first major company that has pulled out of RSA. Also news because I believe around 1% of all RSA attendees are IBM, uh, which was kind of fascinating to me. Um, But the thing ultimately for me is RSA is going to happen. RSA has been very clear about that. Um, Whether or not we have any more companies pull out, I mean, it's Wednesday the week before. If anybody's pulling out, we're going to hear about it by tomorrow. Otherwise, everybody's in. This conference will happen, and because it's the first big conference in the U.S., if it were to be canceled, that puts every other conference in jeopardy. Yeah, and for the you know uh, for some background on the MWC cancellation, that was done purely by the GSMA organizers. That was not done mm-hmm. by uh, uh, fiat from anyone in the Spanish government or in Barcelona. That's that was in Barcelona, right? Um, yeah. So. That was entirely an organizational effort. Admittedly, they had a ton of people cancel on that, and I believe they had a higher percentage of uh, attendees that were coming from China, probably probably, Mm -hmm. uh, amping up concerns about that. So we will see, uh, uh, like you said, Tom, I think uh, this conference is definitely going to happen, but interesting to see a big presenter like IBM pulling out. Next mm-hmm. up here, a judge has ordered a temporary block on the $10 billion Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure or JEDI Pentagon cloud contract. We've been talking about that for, I don't know, two years now, which was awarded to Microsoft last October. Last month, Amazon filed a motion asking the court to pause Microsoft's work, claiming the evaluation process contained unmistakable bias, that's a direct quote, and has since asked the court for permission to depose President Donald Trump, Defense Secretary Mark Esper, and former Defense Secretary James Mathis. Uh, more Jedi drama, Tom, news or not? It's news because it represents the possibility that a, so when, when we talk about these other wins, like when Amazon talks about, you know, those commercials where like Domino's pizza uses them, that's not an important deal. But when it's a government contract, $10 billion, I mean, come on, Microsoft was salivating over that. And now the whole thing may possibly get tossed out because one or more politicians opened their big dumb mouth and went on the record talking about how they wanted to screw over uh, Jeff Bezos. I mean, whether or not you did it because of that, kids, if you're watching, I'm going to give you one of those hints adults aren't supposed to, to tell you. If you're doing something for a reason that's less than legal, 
don't say anything about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, whether it's Oracle, you know, trying to do legal chicanery to delay this now, Amazon, I mean, ultimately, my like my bigger concern now, obviously, if there was a quote, unmistakable bias, um, I don't know, that seems fairly self-evident, maybe from some of the things that were said. But I mean, at the end of the day, if the, the Pentagon needs to get their infrastructure up to date and this is stopping them and, and causing them to use older systems and possibly uh, having effects on national security. I mean, I think that's the largest issue there. Um, not to say that Amazon doesn't have a, a completely, you know, legitimate reason for, for, you know, getting this temporary block. Um, and yeah, that's, that's my biggest concern, honestly, with, with this kind of contract, regardless of, you know, the cloud horse race or anything like that. So I've got a perfect solution for this. Follow me, Rich. Multi-cloud. Wait a minute. Multiple clouds? Such I hear thing, it's the rage. Such a thing exists. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up here, we have some Europe news, European news. I don't know why I said Europe news. Uh, Reuters saw a document indicating EU antitrust regulators plan to investigate emerging markets in tech and consider preventative measures to help smaller rivals to big companies. European Competition Commissioner Marguerite Vestager will present uh, this in a paper in March. The EU looking into smaller acquisitions, Tom, news or not? This isn't so much news as it is kind of what I consider to be the the way forward. I mean, when you also look at the fact that the U.S. Department of Justice and FTC are looking into whether or not super companies like Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, and Google are uh, basically buying out their competitors to see the EU take the exact opposite approach of, hey, we're going to make sure that you can at least bring a product to market. Um, it's a double-edged sword, though. You now have to have a product that has to sit on its own. <laughs> to come to market. And for those of you out there whose brilliant solution for your business plan was, you know, um, make thing get bought by Facebook profit. Um, the make thing part is going to be more important now. And you're probably gonna have to skip the second part. And I've seen a lot of the coverage on this kind of, or the speculation around this, uh, be focused on obviously uh, companies like Facebook, Amazon, Apple, you know, the, the large consumer facing tech companies. But I also think this could very much apply to enterprise companies where, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Microsoft specifically has been kind of on an acquisition tear recently uh, in regard to multi-cloud, what we've been talking about. And I do wonder what impact that will have. A lot of these companies, like you said, Tom, that are developing fe features that they think will be really useful for these hyperscaler players and maybe aren't necessarily making products could have some uh, unforeseen consequences. Mm-hmm. Next up here in awesome legal news, America's Communications Association, the CTIA, NCTA, and U.S. Telecom filed in federal court to block a main law that would require ISPs to get uh, customers opt-in consent before using or sharing sensitive data, aka selling it to third parties. They argue it would violate their uh, First Amendment free speech rights. The law is scheduled to go into effect July 1st, 2020. Tom, ISPs, free speech rights, news or not? Wait. ISPs have the ability to have protected speech. Hold on. I, I, I want to back the truck up here because I, I distinctly remember reading the Constitution when I was a kid mm -hmm. and said something about government shall not blah, blah, blah. Any person's right to free speech. Oh, hold on. Wait, I know what this is. You're telling me that you don't like laws that dry up your revenue stream because you're doing some shady crap. Uh, okay, sure. Um, just wait until I bring the rest of the constitution to bear on you. Um, this is stupid. This is arguing a loophole. 
I would have gone a different direction. Um, it would have impinged upon my ability for commerce between the states or something like that. That one probably would have at least gotten kicked into federal court. It would have gotten a very corporate friendly FCC to make a ruling on it. But you brought down the free speech hammer. Get ready to have your toes smashed. <laughs> Corporations are people too, my friend. Uh, and finally, here on Newsurna, uh, Google Cloud confirmed it closed its acquisition of Looker after receiving approval from the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, the regulator that was kind of holding up the acquisition to date. Looker offers a data visualization tool based on modeling language that introspects the underlying relationships between the data sources to build a common model of truth. Kind of an interesting approach to to like data visualization as a side effect of this kind of uh, um, looking at these relationships, I think is really interesting. GCP CEO Thomas Curian confirmed GCP will not limit Looker data crawling to its service and it will operate as uh, as it was prior to acquisition. News or not here, Tom? Not really news. Google buys another company to make machine learning stuff faster. <laughs> I, I literally could just write that headline and hold it up. And we would be able to use it for every episode from now until the end of the year. I demand props next time, Tom. Uh, <laughs> we, we will see. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, RSA uh, conference uh, a little bit ago at the start of News or Not Here. So kind of to start out our discussion, I thought we should go back to them. Uh, because Dell Technologies announced it plans to sell RSA security to a consortium led by the private equity firm Symphony Technology Group for a little over $2 billion. The acquisition would include RSA Archer, RSA NetWitness Platform, RSA security. Secure ID, RSA fraud, and risk intelligence, as well as RSA conference. Uh, Dell CEO Jeff Clark said the move was part of Dell's overall strategy to satisfy or to simplify its business model and portfolio. And oh yeah, they have a ton of debt uh, to pay off from going public again. RSA offers security and risk management software at over twelve thousand clients. I don't think I really need to introduce what RSA security does, but that's kind of the table stakes there. If nothing else, RSA conference next week is going to be really interesting in light of that news. Is this just Dell needing to pay the bills after going public, or should we read something into them selling RSA to a private equity firm versus to another tech company, Tom? So this is Dell getting money for bills, uh, plain and simple. Michael Dell needs to pay down debt. And you notice this because he's slowly winnowing out the pieces that he acquired that are not making boatloads of money. Uh, yeah. Notice that they still have their talons in VMware because VMware is probably the single most profitable unit inside of that whole organization. Um, I saw some speculation that probably what this is, is we're going to sell it, get some quick cash, pay down the debt. And in three years, when this company doesn't know what to do with RSA, they'll buy it back on the cheap and you know have a big homecoming party. Uh, this is weird though, because like like you said, it's a private equity firm, but it's more than that. Cause I actually dug up some information on this prior to the show. Um, one of the pieces of the consortium, a lot of people are talking about was the STK STG, uh, technology group, the Ontario teachers pension plan was a signatory. <laughs> no, no, no. Understand they weren't just in on this. They were in on it enough that they were the second name mentioned. So I'm like, the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. What do they own? Uh, as it turns out, they own the Bristol Airport. They own minority stakes in the Birmingham, Copenhagen, Brussels, and London City Airport. They own part of the Channel Tunnel. And up until about seven years ago, they owned the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Raptors and the Argonauts and all the other Toronto <laughs> sports teams. This is the biggest so, story. I know, right? Like they are literally a sleeping tech giant. I expect this to be kind of like um, the uh, oh, um, the company that bought RCA. 
I can't think of their name right now, but basically like they own like 45 tech companies and nobody knows that they're like the holding company for that. Like I expect this to be like the next, the big story of the 2020s is that the Toronto teachers pension fund is slowly putting together a tech juggernaut that's going to eclipse Apple and Microsoft and Facebook. And they're going to go to war with like maple syrup and apologies. <laughs> and it's going to be the most awesome thing I've ever seen. And you won't be able to hack into them because they own RSA too. I mean, yeah. I mean, like usually when you think of a pension fund, you're thinking of something. Oh, it's it's barely holding water, and you're you know you're worried <laughs> is this going to pay off something? Oh no! It turns out you can just own tech, you can own multimedia, you can own all sports the, teams, all the sports. <laughs> uh, I mean that you can own part of the channel. I mean that that should have been the headline: is uh, channel owners buy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it, to to their credit, then that. Again, they're the second named partner, right? So they're not. The, uh, I would assume yeah. it's like the ingredient label on, uh, you know, on your food. They are they are behind water, uh, behind uh, the Symphony Technology Group. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like they don't make investments that are like just to load them up on debt theoretically and and just kind of try and get that easy exit. Especially as a pension fund, they have a vested interest in in you know getting a return on that. So uh, I guess that should allay fears about the fate of <laughs> RSA security. Yeah. And a lot of people are just excited by the fact that RSA is going to be able to do some innovation. They're going to be able to turn things faster and not have to deal with the corporate overlords. Um, so I think that overall, the feedback that I've seen is very positive, but I'm definitely taking a wait and see approach because usually when you get sold off to a venture capital fund or some kind of a funding consortium, that doesn't spell good news for having your component parts stick together for yeah, very long. Usually like sold to consortium. Yeah. Is, is uh, like two steps away from scrappy, but you know, there are exceptions to every rule. So we will uh, keep an eye on that and let you know what the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, former owners are doing with RSA security. Uh, next up here, a Google spokesperson confirmed to CNBC that Google Cloud is undergoing restructuring, including the elimination of some roles within the unit. The move is reportedly in uh, uh, it, to the move is reportedly to reposition GCP for international markets uh, more effectively, and affects less than fifty people. With those people being moved within Google or Alphabet uh, and not necessarily eliminated or fired all out. Uh, Google Cloud it adding headcount under CEO Thomas Kurian has been a regular talking point on earnings calls, especially since they weren't. Talking Talking earnings up until this quarter, and he recently identified retail, healthcare, financial services, media and entertainment, and manufacturing as the industries needed to spur further GCP growth. Is this restructuring part of a uh, part of or a rebuff of what Curian has been doing with GCP, Tom? Those of you at home who have your screenshot tools ready, get ready. Here is my shocked face. <laughs> We knew this was coming because it got leaked to the press right before the earnings call that they're considering getting rid of Google Cloud. And they wanted to see what was going to happen with the press response. And basically, everybody went crazy. Oh, my God, how can you kill Google Cloud? Don't let Larry Ellison into <laughs> seventh place now. Um, this is what the flip side of that is. Oh, you guys want Google Cloud. Great. It's losing money. We've got to find a way to trim the fat. We're going to restructure it. Um, Kirian's doing a good enough job, but maybe not the best job. And so we've got to put some rain underneath him. Listen, Google Cloud's not going away anytime soon. It's the hobby kit maker space for cloud people. But you also have to understand that at the end of the day, any business unit in Google that loses money or can't run AdWords is in dire danger of getting thrown on the killedbygoogle.com list. 
Yeah, I, I do have to wonder if this is this restructuring is maybe a signal that the honeymoon is over for Kyrian at Juice. Not to say that his job is in any way in jeopardy. I don't think they would make a move that rash, although it's just Google, so it may get shut down tomorrow or sold at Oracle. But <laughs> I, I do think maybe this is a signal of, okay, um, you know, you had your, your first year under your belt. Now it's time to to pay the piper a little bit. Yeah. Next up here, uh, two companies kind of uh, we know quite well, uh, Tom. Arista Networks announced it is acquiring big switch networks after previously being reported by anonymous sources last month. This has kind of been out there for a while. It's expected Arista will integrate big switches monitoring and SDN IP into Arista DANs. That's their data analysis tool and cloud vision platform, hopefully building out multi-cloud support uh, with uh, you know kind of the, the know-how from big switch and a lot of their solutions. An existing partnership with Dell Networking and big switch will continue on with Arista. Tom, your first networking field day event featured Big Switch's first appearance at the event. I had to, I went to, I did some homework here for this, and Arista has been presenting at the event since networking field day number one. You know these companies quite well. Why did Arista make this move? Um, it's kind of curious. Um, Arista, from what I understand, Arista was looking at the the basic pieces. They're looking at big monitoring fabric. They're looking at some of the Oh, uh, what's the best word I can use here? Um, more mature product lines. Mm -hmm. uh, now, a lot of people were like, hey, I, the, the pod architecture and the AWS integration and all that other stuff is a huge boon for cloud vision. You're right, it is. But I don't think Arista knows how to integrate that stuff just yet. And all the talk that we heard at Networking Field Day last week when Arista literally walked out of an earnings call into a room with us and said, hey, guess what we just did? Um, <laughs> That the talk was very much focused on, um, we're not sure where we're going with this yet. But I was very happy to see that they didn't dodge it. They didn't try to get cute with it. We had Prashant Gandhi who showed up to talk a little bit about all the stuff that they're doing. Um, yeah, the, so the whole two weeks ago they got bought but not really bought thing was really weird, but I mean, they closed on it right before the earnings call. Mm -hmm. I think part of the reason why they held off on it was because their earnings weren't so great. And so they needed a little bright spot in the, the call yeah. to talk about. Um, I see a lot of good things going forward for Big Switch. I see a lot of good things going forward for Arista. What I don't see a lot of good things for is our friends over at Dell Networking, because basically the only reason for Dell Networking to exist just got bought. Yeah, and it seems like it might just uh, live out whatever the length of that contract is, and all of a sudden, Dell Networking uh, goes away. Although, uh, let's see what the uh, Toronto's uh, Teacher Association... Uh, <laughs> Maybe they're looking to pick up a networking company on the cheap. Uh, yeah, hey, they're, they're, they're savvy investors, so we will we'll see. And we know uh, uh, Michael Dell has their phone number, uh, so we will see yeah. what that is. But uh, thanks for finding some context on that, Tom. Uh, I know, um, I, like I said, I, I know... Each of those those pieces have some meaning. In, in some ways, uh, not that their market segments uh, overlap in it almost any way, but it, it reminds me of when um, Juniper acquired Mist Systems. In that, mm -hmm. I was like, "How do th there there's there's some sort of Venn diagram that they're seeing that overlaps here?" And I'm wondering what that was. So thank you for uh, for kind of spelling that out. I will tell you that compared to those two things that you just mentioned, this acquisition makes a whole lot more sense than Mist buying Juniper. And Mist buying Juniper, I'm sorry, Juniper buying Mist has already <laughs> paid off huge dividends. Yeah, breaking news. Um, Juniper buying Mist has already paid off huge dividends for the integration of all the stuff that Mist is working on in their technology into the network. Yeah. So if this is just as successful for Arista buying Big Switch, 
that will be a huge thing for them. Yeah, that was, I mean, not to get off into the weeds on that, but that has been one of the most interesting, like, in, you know, like usually when these integrations happen, it's like uh, the, the the company that gets acquired either goes like totally silent and you just, you know, maybe the, you'll see a solution come out two years later that just has the misname on it or something like that. And, and all of the IP is kind of buried in code and you never hear from it really again. That was a really interesting model for how you can weave together two seemingly disparate companies start building those integrations without losing the character of either one of those, which I think is really interesting and maybe a model we'll see with Arista going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, next up here, uh, Microsoft announced a major update to Dynamics 365. The company is adding new first-party and third-party uh, data connections to its customer insights platform, supporting collecting information like audience memberships, brand uh, affinities, demographics, psychographic and other characteristics of customers, which Microsoft's claims was built with GDPR and CCCP, CCPA compliance in mind. I am a little skeptical on that, but supposedly it's it's designed so that you can search and then immediately delete after getting the insight, which seems kind of problematic from a compliance platform. But it's Microsoft. They kind of know what they're talking about. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for the sake of this article. Uh, the update also adds new uh, customer forecasting tools and new tools like Dynamic uh, 365 Finance Insights and Dynamics 365 Project Operations. Finance Insights is designed to predict and accelerate customer cash flows, kind of similar to what they already do uh, with customer insights, and suggests the best opportunities to close accounts payable and receivable. Projects Operations is designed for tracking project-based companies like construction companies. Uh, do these kind of predictive tools help the company keep up with Salesforce and, and really kind of leans into what Microsoft's strengths are in this platform? I think Microsoft is trying to leverage the fact that they're getting lots and lots of data. Um, I don't know that Dynamics CRM is, like, is it even within striking distance of Salesforce? Like when, when I was looking, because I was kind of curious about that, and it, they're like not on the first page when you look for like Salesforce competitors, like I don't, like like Zoho's up yeah. there. I mean, Salesforce is obviously number one. Um, so yeah, they are, they are, coming at this from uh, from the rear guard here yeah i mean realistically speaking this is the same thing you have with teams and all the other things that are not microsoft office we'll use them because we have a microsoft like platform license we can you run everything microsoft runs i don't necessarily know that this is going to be enough to get them onto the first page i think the people that are using dynamics are going to be super happy mm -hmm. because they get a lot more things to play with but you know, that's like that's like getting new features in the Novell network kernel today. <laughs> the 18 people that are still running it are super happy. The rest of the world has moved on. Yeah, I mean, I do wonder, though, I mean, going back to that Teams reference, and I just jumped the gun on our next story, uh, going back to that uh, Teams reference, though, you know, it's there, right? Like that's, that seems to be like the Microsoft thing. Like, listen, we're going to put this, this dish of weird candy on this coffee table. We're not going <laughs> to like it, it's not the candy you like. But it's the candy that's there and it's free or or it's it's integrated into what you are already – it's not free. It's integrated into what you're already using. It's like, hey, it's really easy to pick up tryouts. Um, yes, anyone that's using Salesforce is never going to switch over to Dynamics 365 just based on this update, uh, for example. But anyone that's kind of shopping around being like, well, we're already a Microsoft – shop right we already have all of this stuff going forward our, you know our sales rep saying i flipped the switch all of a sudden i have you know this this predictive uh crm uh system here that can be really useful you know building up that kind of organically it's it's not like they're they're coming into a still relatively nascent space like that kind of team messaging space as they were with teams um but i i don't think it's a bad strategy for them and they need to add stuff like this 
to keep it compelling because Salesforce is certainly not standing still. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is, is that dynamic CRM is like those orange foamy circus peanut things that were in your grandma's house. It's the candy that's here. And if you want candy, this is what you get to have. This is what it's the Werther's original of CRM. Hey, I like those. <laughs> I, I love Werther's Originals, the candy and the drink. Uh, finally, here on the Gestalt IT Rundown, uh, Cloudian and Veeam introduced Amazon's S3 Cloud Object Lock on-premises to combat ransomware attacks, allowing organizations to replace ransomware-encrypted devices with Veeam backup data stored on a Cloudian hyperstore appliance that sits behind the firewall. Cloudian uses S3 Object Lock to provide a virtual air gap, not at all problematic, that logically disconnects stored objects from connected computer systems. The two companies are pitching this as ransomware protection as a service solution. I think that's an interesting take on it, with uh, Cloudian on-premises offering considerable recovery speed uh, compared to a public cloud backup only. Sound good to you, Tom? It's interesting. So here, here's my thoughts coming from the security side of things. How is it going to detect that ransomware has taken over a file system? How is it going to be able to deploy a backup copy of that? Is it something that needs to be triggered by me? Or am I going to have to be the one who like, you know, oh, wait, Claudian is telling me that somebody screwed with a file. So is it kind of like a tripwire um, host prevention system. I, you know, I, I think uh, that's part of what Veeam is is offering here, although I, I, I would imagine that would be part of the integration is to have a set of policies set up so that if in these situations come up, trigger that back to, to spin up that backup running in cloudy. Right, because I was listening to the, the latest episode of Risky Business uh, this morning, and they were talking about a natural gas processing facility that needed to not take everything down because they needed to replace files that had been basically, um, re- you know, malware and we're getting into the control systems and it took like two days to get them back online um you know obviously if this solution could have gotten them back online in like a day or even a few hours because uh, as as they were saying on risky biz you basically had to shut down the entire system because you can't just shut off a site when there's gas in a pipeline um that's a huge win for these folks but you know the the, the dark side of me is kind of wondering you know <laughs> How's this all going to work in the long run? And and what's the protection for keeping those files from being blown up by malware anyway? Yeah, I, I, that that's the that's where ransomware gets weird. Is that it? It in a lot of ways is its own little niche in terms of it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's a security concern. Like preventing ransomware is a security concern, but then once you're actually hit with it, it becomes this weird. It's like a storage backup and it's it's a disaster recovery story i guess in a lot of ways and i mean certainly veeam is is no stranger to that regard i kind of i i i trust that they know what they're doing cloudian is kind of in on that uh high performance uh uh, on-prem object store space uh that's kind of emerging and we've talked to them a couple of times really interesting solutions i think them working together the the other question i have here is how does this scale and again that may be just something where i need to sit in a briefing on this and kind of get the the dirty details on this um but uh i i thought an interesting uh uh two forces combining into some sort of captain planet for ransomware uh or uh, recovery as a service i claim heart (laughs) uh of course i'm gonna go uh with water uh because it covers most of the earth uh and you're a fool, Tom. Uh, that just about does it for the Gestalt IT Rundown for this week. Tom, where can people find more of your great stuff if they're so inclined? 
Well, if you want to check out my Twitter feed, it's networkingnerd.net. I'm going to be at WLPC for the next couple of days. I've got a a speech about community that I want to do. Um, Then I'm going to be at RSA next week. So uh, if you're going to be at RSA, make sure you hit me up on Twitter. Um, I'm taking like, I think I looked at it. My calendar is basically completely full of briefings. But, you know, if you want to hang out, um, enjoy a a fine Werther's original drink or the candy, (laughs) um, I'll be there. Um, You can also check me out at gestaltit.com. Some great posts coming up pretty soon on a variety of technical topics yes and remember that's canadian whiskey amaretto and butterscotch schnapps uh for your Werther's original uh for myself you can find me at gestaltit.com as well all of my writing and uh, additional posts video uh, podcast or otherwise uh and you can also find me on twitter at mr anthropology we'll be back next wednesday though at 12 30 p.m eastern time uh running down the it news of the week until that time for myself for tom hollingsworth for all of us here and the Gestalt IT family, here's wishing you and yours to have a super sparkly day.